0: Hi, this is Elliot Fishman and welcome back to part two on the, the stomach. And I left off last time saying that gastric cancer, we need to look at its distribution. And when you look at it, it's a pretty smooth distribution throughout the stomach. Antrim body and fundus tend to be equal. Diffuse infiltration like a linitis plastica, is about 10% of cases. In terms of staging gastric cancer, really it depends on a number of things. Your protocol, how you implement the protocol, interpretation. So let's look at several things. We need to look at the primary tumor, that's the most important thing, finding the tumor. Then looking for local spread, typically nodes and liver. And then distant metastasis, which can be carcinomatosis, can be to ovary, can be to perineal cavity. When you look at the various appearances of gastric adenocarcinoma, we see focal thickening, we talk about polypoid lesions, we talk about diffuse wall thickening with or without lobulations. We talk about bulky tumor with or without ulcerations and diffuse infiltrations. And there's no doubt the larger the tumor, the easier it is to pick up. The minimal thickening is the biggest challenge. We talk about a T-staging with minimal wall thickening being T1, moderate wall thickening being T2 without spread to soft tissues around the stomach, T3, moderate tumor with perigastric spread, and T4, adjacent organ infiltration. Now, the question always is you know, when do you call gastric cancer versus just simply minimal thickening? A one centimeter greater wall thickness on a distended stomach on CT had a sensitivity of 100%. Downside is the specificity is less than 50%. So you're going to overcall a lot of things. However, when this article looked carefully, if the wall thickening was focal, eccentric, and enhancing, it was almost always going to be a malignancy. Of course, not every case had this. So you look at this case, anterior gastric wall in the region near the antrum, bulky tumor, ulceration, very focal, not very difficult to say that's carcinoma. Or a more impressive case in the midbody, large bulky tumor, sensually lobulated ulcerations in the tumor, Easy to recognize this as going to be a gastric cancer. You also can see in this case as adenopathy. But let's focus for a moment on the primary tumor. Here it is on a 3D volume rendered view, kind of that infiltrating around the stomach. And here it is from a coronal view. We really can see the appearance, polypoid infiltrating, just a very, very nice example. Bulky gastric adenocarcinoma. Sometimes it's not that bulky. Here's a good example of infiltration of the stomach, where you can see a symmetry in the gastric wall. You can see on the axials, what I get through the body of the stomach and antrum, it looks okay. But now in the coronal, there it is. The fundus is thickened and the lesser curvature is thickened. Very nice example of infiltration. And again, the coronals can be very helpful in these cases. Sometimes you will tend to undercall disease or perhaps even overcall disease, depending on the situation. But when you start looking at the coronals and the axials, like in this case, you can truly recognize the gastric wall thickening here as opposed to the normal gastric wall in red. Very easy to make that diagnosis. I mentioned sometimes you have the equivalent of linitis plastica. Here the importance is technique. The stomach was well distended. This is the patient's stomach. This is as good as it gets. This infiltration from the fundus down through the antrum, coronal views very nicely shows a classic example of linitis plastica. It could be primary to the stomach or it could be metastatic to the stomach. Sometimes tumors are more subtle. Here's an example by the GE junction, which is one of our challenging areas, but there's very faint calcification in the lesion. And when you take that axial and go to coronal, it's much easier to appreciate the tumor infiltration. And here are some 3D renderings. Calcification means it's a mucinous adenocarcinoma, diffusely infiltrating, bulky, very, very classic. When you look at the accuracy of CT for lymph node involvement, a little bit depends on location of the nodes, and of course size of the nodes, and attenuation of the nodes. There have been several articles looking at nodal disease as a based on site. Typically, we would always say almost any nodes by the celiac or SMA, very common areas for gastric cancer or esophageal cancer to go. Anything above six or seven millimeters would be considered abnormal. And this article by Sato makes the point: different areas. They talk about between 7 to 9 millimeters, and that gives you a pretty high accuracy. But again, uh, with gastric cancer, we know the nodes are often small. So when I see small nodes, particularly near the celiac axis, I'm going to report them positive. Typically, we talk about a centimeter or 15 millimeters or two centimeters for abnormal nodes. But in gastric cancer, anything above 6 millimeters to me is going to be a problem. And there have been a number of articles that talk about this. 6 to 8 millimeters is the typical cutoff. So if you see it, it's probably going to be abnormal. A good example of a lesser curvature tumor, bulky tumor with large nodes in the celiac axis region, a very favorite nodal chain. Here it is again in the coronal view. You can see the adenopathy surrounds the celiac, almost has the look of what you would expect with a pancreatic adenocarcinoma. At times, pancreatic adenocarcinomas can simulate or One can overlook the presence of a uh, gastric mass and be focusing on a primary pancreas where it's really a gastric process. And here's an example of a patient who presented to a pancreatic conference with a pancreatic mass. You look quickly, image on the left looks like a pancreatic mass, but then you look and there's no dilated ducts. And if you look, you see in the fundus of the stomach, there's a large mass present. There's nodes in the celiac axis. And what you're dealing with is a gastric adenocarcinoma with nodes in the portal cable space, nodes in the aortic caval space, and left periortic zone. Lots of nodes present simulating pancreatic cancer, or at least those portal caval nodes. Looking carefully at the whole image, it was easy to make the right diagnosis. Now we talk about local cancer spread. Here's a lesion in the fundus, which is spreading into the soft tissues around the celiac and into the infiltrating zone around there. Or in this case, there's infiltration of the antrum, which we followed downward into the mesentery. Or in this case, infiltration of the antrum of the stomach, extensive tumor, and then on coronal, the tumor grows down the gastrocolic ligament. We now have a fistula communication between the gastric cancer and the transverse colon. That's not an uncommon complication, but just very, very nicely shown in this example. Now, in terms of higher grade T3, T4 tumors, Kim made the point that adding NPR to transverse CT images improved the capability for distinguishing T3 from T4 lesions and predicting adjacent organ involvement. And that's something we know. You need to really look at all of the images. 3D can be helpful, but surely multiplanar, particularly coronal, and often sagittal can be very valuable. Uh, so it's very, very important. Comment by Kim, the preoperative prediction of T4 tumor is of particular importance in determining resectability and the optimal extent of surgery. Researchers in some studies reported that the combined resection of invaded organs increased mortality and morbidity without an overall survival rate. So you do it, um, so you really need to think about it and look at those zones very carefully. Now, I mentioned before other things we see and look at We look beyond the stomach and look for ascites. Carcinomatosis, nodularity on the omentum, nodularity on the mesentery, and ascites are some of the hallmarks of gastric cancer. Here's a nice infiltrating gastric cancer throughout the stomach and the extensive ascites present. Or in this case, with tumor infiltration of the antrum, basic gastric outlet obstruction. And look at the omentum. Look at the carcinomatosis anteriorly. And another example here with extensive carcinomatosis. The omentum, very common location from spread from gastric cancer. Now I mentioned with gastric cancer, we talk about distant mets, we can talk about to the pelvis. You can get drop metastasis on the colon, but you also can get metastasis to the ovaries, so-called Krukenberg tumors They can be very large. Sometimes the challenge is people diagnose the ovarian masses first and say ovarian metastatic to stomach rather than stomach metastatic to ovary. Sometimes it can be tricky. Krugenberg tumors can be unilateral or bilateral. They can be very large. So a very important diagnosis. Now, in terms of accuracy, for serosal invasion, CT is very good. For looking at the higher-grade tumors, CT is very good. There are pitfalls, however. Small, flat gastric lesions can be missed. It's hard at times to be certain about the depth of invasion, particularly if someone has had a biopsy. You will overcall it, and then nodal involvement is tricky because we're talking about nodes that are six or seven millimeters as being positive, and we often will think of those nodes outside the gastric cancer scenario as being simply inflammatory nodes. Article by Haberman looking at the role of ultrasound uh, and versus CT, and found that CT was of a great advantage short of doing biopsies, better TNM staging. Preoperative CT is indispensable in the evaluation of the presence of distant Mets. Therefore, a CT exam focused on the stomach and the upper abdomen, as presented in our study, could probably replace endoscopic ultrasound, an important topic. Yamashita, preoperative evaluation using 3D CTA can provide more accurate information. The fused images from 3D have the potential to reduce intraoperative risk for injuries to key vessels. So I mentioned before how we do 3D, that you can do interluminal imaging. The 3D provides also its advantages. But now also for preoperative planning, the vascular map, you can see any of the anomalies, which can be important. And these vascular anomalies... uh, can play an important role in safely facilitating laparoscopic-assisted gastrectomy procedures. So again, not only can we use 3D for staging, but when patients are resectable to help plan the surgery. Very important. Okay? That's gastric adenocarcinoma. Let's move on a bit. Let's move to lymphoma. Now, when you think about uh, gastric masses, let me not run ahead of myself. If you think about gastric masses, you could think about lymphoma. But just tumors, METs, gastritis, H. pylori are all possibilities. And I do want to make that point that at times the stomach will be definitely abnormal, but we may not be positive as to the etiology. I also want to make the point that once you have a perforation, like from an ulcer, if you had a tumor, the tumor would look higher grade. It would look T3, T4 when it's not. Also, when you have an ulcer without tumor like this, You look at the skin. you say, perhaps I'm missing a small tumor, that perhaps the patient has a small tumor that perforated. So indeed, you want to be very careful. If you see a perforation, look very carefully that you're not missing a tumor, but it would not be unreasonable not to have a tumor present. And you can see very nicely on the oblique views, the infiltration, and you can see the stomach very nicely shown in this regard. So... Uh, a very important thing to think about would be that. Now, if you go from what I would call some of the inflammatory processes, which are just something to make you think about the possibility, and you move over to other gastric tumors, lymphoma is always the one I think about second. Uh, The uh, most frequent GI site of malignant lymphoma is indeed the stomach. Most are non Hodgkin's disease. Uh, Gastric Hodgkin's disease accounts for about 9% of all gastric lymphomas. There are many risk factors for GI lymphoma, including celiac disease, HIV, AIDS, ulcerative colitis, Crohn's, and immunosuppression. For example, patients with celiac disease have a 200-fold increased risk of developing intestinal lymphoma, particularly enteropathy-associated T-cell lymphoma. So again, there are certain things that are more likely to give you lymphoma. This article by Cheng, 90% of cases of moth lymphoma are associated with H. pylori infection. And also goes on to say the clinical symptoms of primary GI lymphoma are nonspecific and include abdominal pain, nausea, vomiting, anorexia, and weight loss, which basically is every tumor and a lot of inflammatory processes. Upper low IGI bleeding is less common with lymphoma than it is with adenocarcinoma and rarely, it can present with obstruction or intersusception. Appearances are varied like we know from small bowel days. Ulcerating lesions, polypoid masses, diffuse masses, focal wall thickening are some of the common appearances. Polypoid lesions can simulate adenocarcinoma or even a gist tumor. Diffuse infiltration of the gastric wall uh, can simulate gastritis, can simulate as and Zollinger-Ellison disease, can simulate infectious and inflammatory diseases like TB, but typically it should be recognizable. The linitis plastic appearance is one of the classic findings in CT and in all of radiology. So if we go a little bit closer with lymphoma, polypoid mass, diffusive focal infiltration, ulcerating lesion and mucosal abnormalities and nodularity are the key different patterns of disease. The radiographic pattern often reflects the pathology findings, infiltrating type, wall thickening with little enhancement, typically in the 5-sonometer range, diffuse or segmental. And then you can have polypoid lesions, adenopathy, as we commented. When you compare lymphoma versus adenocarcinoma, it used to be a very easy diagnosis because lymphoma was very bulky. Now it's not as bulky. We pick it up earlier, so the findings can overlap. Lymphoma has more adenopathy, typically, going beneath the renal hilum. Gastric cancer adenopathy stops at the renal hilum. Uh, Lymphoma can extend from stomach into duodenum. The nodes are typically larger than an adenocarcinoma, and perigastric fat planes are more likely to be preserved. With more lymphoma, or mucosa-associated lymphoid tissue, a common type of lymphoma. It's low grade, classic with H. pylori infection, and wall thickening is the most common appearance. It's interesting. This was a patient who worked with us at Hopkins, who I thought had an adenocarcinoma infiltration of the antrum. This patient did well, but it had MALT lymphoma. You can see very nicely the infiltration of the antrum. Very nice example. Some of the bulkiness there. Patient has adenopathy as well. This patient will be treated with chemotherapy to shrink this tumor. You can see very nicely the extent of polypoid lesions. Very nice example. Or this case of infiltration of the antrum. If I told you this was adenocarcinoma, you would believe me. So it can be very, very challenging. Now, the last type of tumors that really we tend to think about are gastric gist tumors. And perhaps what I'll do is let me stop here. And we'll start with gastric gist tumors in the next session. Thanks a lot.